Hi, this is Kristen Cabrera, reporter-producer from the Texas Standard. One of the coolest things about working on the show is getting to tell stories from my community, like this one I did on high school UAL Mariachi. But you know, this is Texas. You'd be hard-pressed to go a week without hearing. Dun-dun! Listen anytime to the Texas Standard, wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hey, this is Elizabeth McQueen, the host of this song. And if you're listening to this episode the week that it comes out, which would be the first week of April 2016, then I want to let you know that KUTX 98.9, the station where we make this podcast, is in the final days of its spring fund drive. We're raising money so that we can play cool music and do cool things, one of which is make this podcast. So... If you want to help make cool things possible, then please take a second. Go to KUTX.org and become a member. I promise it'll make you feel awesome. Okay, let's get this party started. Hello and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and this week on This Song, we'll hear from M. Ward and Dana Falconberry. And both of them had, like, similar experiences. They both talk about hearing people do things with music that made them think, whoa, I didn't even know you could do that. But now I know, and I want to do that. First off, M. Ward. He's a busy guy. He's half of the duo She and Him with Zoe Deschanel, and he's also in the Monsters of Folk supergroup. He produced the new Mavis Staples record, which is amazing. It's called Livin' on a High Note. And he has a new record of his own out called More Rain. He came into Studio 1A to play some songs from the new record, and afterwards he sat down with me to talk about a song and a record and an artist who blew his mind. So here he is, M. Ward. Yeah, well, uh, the first one that comes to mind is um, um, a record, a full record from John Fahey. You know John Fahey? I kind of know John Fahey, but I don't... He's a guitar player who um, made dozens of records using just um, an acoustic guitar and um, steel string, um, one guitar. And um, there was this one record um, called The Yellow Princess, and uh, there's a song called The Yellow Princess that I would have to pick that song if I'm going to narrow it down because that was the first song of his that I realized was um, kind of a work of, of genius. So I actually don't have any reference for John Fahey. I, I could not... Now that I think of Nothing it, I do not know. That. I have not heard of this John Fahey. So um, did he do records where it was just him singing in an acoustic guitar and then he would layer 
stuff? Or no. was it just him no and an vocals. acoustic? No vocals. No vocals. All instrumental. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's, um, um, the whole idea of it is pretty, um, you can't, you have nothing really to compare it to. Um, um, Leo Kaki, he worked with Leo Kaki a bit. And, um, I think his name is, is on more people's radars for one reason or another. I don't know. But, um, um, basically, um, um, I think reinvented, um, the, uh, the possibilities for acoustic guitar and, um, um, made it a, um, an instrument that can combine classical and blues into the same song. And, um, you have to hear it to, to, um, to believe it and see, see what I mean. <laughs> then when you heard it it sounds like it was fairly recent or i'm gonna guess around um 20 mm -hmm. 21 very impressionable age were you playing guitar at the time i was i started when i was about 15 and um i learned beatles songs <laughs> um, i got into sonic youth SST. Um, I lived in Los Angeles at the time and I saw fire hose. I was, you know, really excited about, um, electric guitars and acoustic guitars, but as far as acoustic goes, um, I learned Blackbird and there was a lot of finger picking involved in that and I really thought that that was um, a great trick and I wanted to learn that trick. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. It's a, you know, a never ending thing of trying to get better. I have a lot of room to grow um and when i hear guitar players like john fahey um andre segovia christopher parkinin um on and on and on you realize how little you know about the instrument So did John Fahey then, I mean, it sounds like what he did was he, um, he kind of showed you, like opened up a world of what acoustic guitar could do or what it could be, something that you hadn't quite understood, but maybe were searching for, or maybe didn't even know you were searching for. Yeah, I didn't even know really it was possible to have a song where, you know, um, that's just a guitar and, um, that's the song and, um. So pretty much on all my records, I, I try to um, have at least one song that's um, in that, um, um, you know, going that direction. I can never play like him, uh, would, can't even dream of it, but um, 
it can't hurt to uh, try to improve your playing and see if you can have um, an instrumental song that works with just one guitar. And was that something you tried to do after you heard that record was go home and like try to, did you ever try to learn any of his stuff? Or? I did. I, I tried to learn a few of his songs. Uh, they're very complex. Um, it's like trying to learn a classical song on guitar. You know, it can be done, but you have to devote, you know, a, a good amount of time. If you're someone like me who can't read music. Was it just the technical thing that he did, like creating songs that you just use one acoustic guitar, or was there something like, was there something emotional, like an emotional component to his music that you were also attracted to? Absolutely. Uh, that's the first thing that hits you is the um, um, same feeling that you get when you hear a beautiful piece by Bach or... Um, um, Mozart or something, it um, transports you. And um, I was also struck by the audacity of having all these records with just using one guitar. I had to um, dive in and see if there was anything to this. Is this just a um, stunt or uh, just some crazy experiment? But no, there's a lot of uh, emotion in there and a lot of... Um, history in there I, le I learned a lot about um injecting history into your to your music and the records that you make and so he had a big part in that and i can see i mean as a guitar player you're usually part of a group like whatever you're creating is part of a band and there's other components that are coming into this like or even if it's just you playing guitar and singing there's still other components kind of making whatever emotional experience this is. So to see, like to be in love with the guitar and then to see someone like be able to get this whole thing across with just a guitar, that must have Yeah, it was ground, groundbreaking for me. I guess the only other instrumentals I had heard was classical music and my mom listens to a lot of classical music and so I grew up loving that music. And um, um, to be able to... Um, play classical with just a guitar and for it to not be a nylon guitar, which, you know, I love playing nylon guitar, but this was a, a whole new sound, whole new, whole new sound. Did you ever study classical guitar? You said you don't read, but was there ever never, a time when... I never studied music. Um, well, you studied lots of music. You just didn't I mean, uh, music study. sheets, you know, <laughs> sheets. I never studied sheets of music yeah. or um, notes or uh, scales or anything like that. And then I heard you earlier talking to Trina and it sounded like this new record that was a bit of the idea was to start with just like, not just a guitar, but just guitar and vocals and see how far you could take a song with just those two elements before you added other stuff in. Yeah, I've, I've always, I've made eight records now on my own and um, I've always um, spent the least amount of time on the vocals because it's something that... I always feel like if I don't think about it, then that's the better for it. But this time I spent a little bit more time thinking about the voice 
and layering the voice and um, trying some uh, chords that um, are unusual with the voice that you don't hear too often in music these days. Um, is that part of that John Fahey thing? Like no, bringing in it has kind of nothing other to do with John Fahey. Oh, it has okay. more, I guess, I mean, going back to childhood, probably Brian Wilson um, and the Beach Boys music was always very, very important to me. And um, I got a chance to work with him uh, last year. What? So with Brian Wilson? With Brian Wilson, yep. Hard to believe it, but I played guitar on his last record and um, just getting to meet him and, uh, and work with him was... Um, you know, eye-opening, um, and I so I covered him. I covered actually one of his songs from Pet Sounds on a record I made called Transistor Radio uh, years ago, and I turned it into an instrumental, um, um, pretending that one of his songs, what you know, what would it sound like if if it was a classical song. So on this record, I tried another of his older songs. It's called uh, You're So Good to Me. And um, yeah, that's more of an experiment with voices and um, using voices as almost a, um, um, so that they sound like um, strings or... Um, like a chordal instrument more than kind yeah, of? Um, it's, um, it's, it's hard to say what it sounds like, but... Um, He's he's one of the masters at um, packing a lot of emotion into vocals and uh, harmonies. That doesn't even need to be said, but I said it. <laughs> who took something like you know I don't know why do you listen to the four freshmen and you feel like hmm and you listen to the beach boys and you feel like whoa we'll remember always graduation day you know yeah. like what's the difference I don't know how someone does that I mean he was just trying to imitate them you know yeah it's all imitation um, that's, that's just my opinion, but, and, uh, and, um, alchemy, you know, switching to, um, two formulas, um, uh, combining recipes. Was that what that John Fahey stuff was like for you? I mean, was it like kind of new and old and everything mixed yeah. together and somehow it's like a magical combination? Yes. But, uh, I could say that about really any any music is a is a combination of the things that came before it. So it's hard for me to um, um, single that out as being the um, distinguishing part of 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 John Fahey's music, but um, it's definitely a part of it. I guess what would you say is the distinguishing thing for you, like in your for his music, for his music, the yeah. uh, just the audacity of 
making dozens and hundreds of songs using just a guitar. Like it was just a ballsy move? That's that's part of it, yeah. <laughs> it's like if you hear that somebody's tightrope walking between two skyscrapers in downtown Austin, it's like, oh, you got, you're you going to have to go take a look to see if it's real. And so yes. that's that was the fascination. Those who know they ain't talking The ones who are talking they don't know When it starts in the switch And I'll be the first one to know why Cause I'm listening Yeah, I'm listening I'm listening You can hear I'm listening from M. Ward's More Rain. And I got chills when he performed it live in Studio 1A. I'm not kidding. It was just him and a guitar. So I'll post a link to the View Us video of that performance so you can get chills too. And, you know, I'm kind of used to not having much of a point of reference for the music that people talk about in this podcast, um, which is fine because I love learning about new music, but I feel like I usually have an inkling like maybe i'm not totally versed in the grateful dead but i've heard uncle john's band you know like but for this conversation i did not have the slightest idea of what john fahey sounded like um until we started editing this episode so during that conversation i kind of felt like i was grasping in the dark but it was really great to discover john fahey i mean it's intense. It's ballsy. He does so much with one instrument, and not many artists do that, like are able to do that. Just use one voice, one acoustic guitar to express everything they want to express. So thank you, M. Ward. I'll post a link to a couple videos of John Fahey playing so that you too can understand a little more about what John Fahey has to offer. Before we go on, I'd like to take a moment and ask that if you liked the story you just heard from M. Ward, then please head on over to iTunes and become a subscriber to this song. That way you can get next week's episode with Bob Boylan and Mobley delivered right to you. And while you're there, we'd love it if you would leave a rating or a review. Ratings help us in iTunes, but more importantly, to be perfectly honest, they make everyone on the This Song team feel extremely good. We work really hard to make this podcast, and it is so great to know that people are listening to and enjoying our work. Next up, Dana Falconberry. She's an Austin artist who, along with her band Medicine Bow, just released the new record from the forest, Came the Fire. I actually just saw the CD release show at the stateside at the Paramount here in Austin last weekend, and it was beautiful. Mountains and mirrors and incredible songs. I mean, the songs on this record are so descriptive and lyrical. It's like, I not only hear them, but I see them too. And this style of songwriting was something that Dana was introduced to after she first moved to Austin. So I'll let her tell you about it. Here she is, Dana Falconberry. I have been 
so stressed out about picking a song. I so don't want to stress that I, with this. I, it's just my thing. That's what I do. I just get stressed. That's cool. Um, but I seriously have not been able to pick a song. And then two minutes ago, I just decided, all right, I'm going to pick this song. <laughs> oh, yay. Okay, good. But it's going to be um, kind of like, a, maybe kind of like a whole album. And I was in the band. Okay, that yeah, cheating? sure. That's cheating. There's no cheating. That's cheating. <laughs> but um, I'm going to go ahead and say it was an album that, I don't even know what it was called, um, but a Peter and the Wolf album. Hunter mm-hmm. is a friend of mine, and he is now living in New York, but he was living in Austin, and we had a band together called Peter and the Wolf. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this was in like 2006 or something. I remember Peter and the Wolf. Okay. Yeah. So um, he, it was right when I first moved here, and uh, I met him in an open mic, and then started listening to his songs, and um, and then we started collaborating and he would write the songs and I would sing on them mm-hmm. and uh he so we we made this little kind of EP together um and I think those songs like learning so first of all I will say learning a song to um sing mm-hmm. I think I mean tell me if you agree I think it's a completely different way to learn a song than to just listen to a song Oh, yeah. You know, like if you're going to cover a song or something, when you learn it, just the process of learning the chords and memorizing the lyrics, somehow it gets in your body in a different way. Yeah. Um, So I don't know that these songs would have affected me as much if, um, I mean, I think they're beautiful. I think he's a brilliant, genius songwriter. Um, But I don't know that they would have affected me the same way if I had just heard them. but but learning these songs, learning to sing them, I think really um, informed my artistic sensibilities. Strange eyes, older than the hills, I know we are. So, and this is right after you moved to town. So you were yeah. like 20 Ooh, something. 25, 25 or something. And 24. did you move to town to do music? Like where mm-hmm. you, did you have music that you had written and you were writing? I did. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, kind of underdeveloped <laughs> at the time, you know, um, you know, I didn't have a band or I didn't have, um, I mean, I had a handful of songs that I had written and, but they were different, you know, and I, I think that after I heard these songs from Red and learned them and sang them with him, I, I wrote differently after that. He wrote these melodies that um, sounded like you'd heard them a million times, you know, like they were ancient, but they weren't. I mean, he 
their original songs. I love you, dear old Robin. I've loved you all along. To you I leave every word and every song. My friends say I'm bipolar. My friends are sometimes wrong. These illusions are all I take with me. But also lyrically, I think he uh, he went into a different world, um, and that was kind of the first time I'd ever really experienced that. Um, Do you mean like as opposed to writing about like first person? Yeah, experience? which I think he did too, but he kind of veiled it in a a different world. A million tents and trailers will cover the open desert Your kids will learn again how to build a fire Where to look for water And the families are bound together now By the fall of all the great cities Finally to sing out their stories and They took me to a different place, and I felt like I was in a different world when I was listening to the music, and that was um, that was the first time I'd ever understood that you could do that. And now I feel like that is my number one goal is to take listeners to a different world. Oh, really? Yeah. So before, when you the songs that you brought with you to Austin that you were singing before, they were poop. um, They were crap. (laughs) (laughs) But they were yeah, they were very. Were they very like? First person. Very first person. Um, yeah. Complainy, you know, <laughs> melodramatic. You're all in that your mid twenties. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. What I mean, else come are you on. Do? Exactly. <laughs> what do I have to sing about? Who knows? I mean, I just think that he, that was the first time that I had heard anything like that. And so after that, I, um, I, I felt like, oh, I didn't know you, that you could write songs like this. I, yeah. You know, I just wrote like everybody else. And um, now I I want to write differently. So I started writing more storytelling kind of songs, like more literal storytelling songs um, kind of after that. And now I feel like it's it's less storytelling. And, you know, I feel like maybe I've gone through some other transformations since then and um it's less storytelling and more uh I don't know mystical or something mystical like there's a there's a lot of nature there's a lot of like yeah and kind of describing scenes or or whatever but uh but yeah at, at that time I feel like it did make me want to write more in a storytelling voice In my dreams I saw a thousand empty cities Papers blowing through the air It just, it, I guess it was also like a different um, kind of show experience than I'd ever, he did um, some weird shows, you know, we played a show on an island in the middle of Town Lake and we um, I don't know. He he just he kind of just expanded your idea your idea of what you could do with with all aspects of music. It's exactly like. yeah. Like you can sing differently and you can write differently and you can perform 
Right. However, and that was my first kind of, um, he was kind of the first musician that I kind of fell in with musically in Austin. Um, and you know, I came from Arkansas where there wasn't, there's no like cohesive music scene in in Arkansas or in Little Rock, you know? Um, I mean, I think there is, there are scenes that I don't, I'm not a part of, but, or I wasn't a part of, but, um. I didn't have a musical community around me at all. And so this was also my first uh, experience with anything like that. Oh, what a lucky too. first experience. To yeah, like, it was cool. To meet someone like that who kind of takes you in and like shows you some stuff. So was it the, was it, was it the fact that these songs kind of transported you I think so. out of yourself? Yeah, and out of like your current situation, you know, they weren't about like, driving down the street or you know nothing that you could really do in your normal life you know mm-hmm. and I think that was a part of it um and then there's there's also the 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 melodies and the you know the part that I can't I just have no words for oh that I mean I think that's the thing right like that music kind of is it's it's about something other than words. It's about something that you can't explain. And that's yeah. why we, right. that's why it's so powerful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because the timber of someone's voice can take you. Yeah. Or the way they strum their guitar and you can put those three chords together in another band and it wouldn't do the same thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's, that's the that's mystical, a, that's magical that's, part of music. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> There'll be a freeze upon the ridge tonight. All the life will furl and fold Breath of crow will rise heavenward A song a hundred years old And there you stand with your boots laced up And focusing your mother's eyes Cora, though I know it follows you around You'll be the dark steam eyes You'll be the dark steam eyes And below me you can hear Cora Cora from From the Forest Came the Fire, a song that speaks in multiple voices and has these really vibrant images. And listening to it, like, I do. I feel like I go to another place. And let me just say that editing this interview was such a delight. Like I said, I had heard of Peter and the Wolf, though not for many years. And when we did the interview, Dana wasn't even sure if she had a copy of this record. But I found it on the internet. Thank you, internet. And for me, it was almost like stepping into a time machine, getting to go back to the Austin of my younger days. And those songs, they started to get stuck in my head in a serious way. And Redding Hunter, who wrote those songs, is still making music under the name Trafique and with a new band called Ginger Infinity. And I'll post a link to his band camp so that you can check it all out. And when I recorded Dana Falconberry's interview, I also talked to two of the members of Medicine Bow, Lindsay Varell and Carla Manzor. Plus, I talked to Dan Grissom from the Austin band Some Say Leland, Dana's band, and Some Say Leland actually put out a split 7-inch last year. So I'll be rolling out those interviews in the coming months and weeks, and I cannot leave before I tell you that Dana Falconberry and Medicine Bow will be doing a tour of national parks to promote this new record. So 
Of course, I'll be posting a link to their tour dates on the This Song page for this episode. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9. This episode was produced and edited by David Sanger and me, Elizabeth McQueen. Cliff Hargrove recorded the interviews. Antoinette Masando is our social media guru and teacher of the ways of Snapchat. Thanks to Peter Babb and Deidre Gott for all their help on this podcast. And it is true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own excellent hardproof Afrobeat. You can email us at thissong at kutx.org or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at thissongkutx. You can follow us on Facebook, or I guess that would be like us. And you can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts. That would be Liner Notes, Song of the Day, and Often Music Minute on iTunes. And like I said, we would love a rating or a review. Right on. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.